Mm, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place. Doing what the only, only, only the Spirit of God can do. And that's minister to our hearts beyond our experiences. To make us desire something deeper than what we had before. To make us willing to let go of our feelings. Our judgment of you, our judgment of people. And to say, I know you're real. Show me who you really are. And that's what we're going to do today, Father. We're going to go to your word. We're going to hear your voice through it. And no matter what our life experience has been, we're ready to know who you really are. I thank you for your presence in this place. In Jesus' name, the church said, Amen. Amen. That was good. Next Sunday is family day. Uh, The kids who are in children's church will be sitting with their families. We did this in the spring. It was absolutely beautiful. We it was brought to our attention by the Holy Spirit that children who had been through nurseries, preschool classes, and children's church had never sat in a Sunday morning service with their parents. And that's just not good. They had never seen their parents worship or not worship. They don't know who I am. They don't know who Dylan is. They don't, they don't know who John is, unless we've been with them at VBS and different things like that. So every year we do two picnics, and we always now make them family day. And if your kid, if you say, oh, my kid's going to be crawling under the pews and over the pews, it's family day. If it's family day. Jesus dealt with, with multitudes of people. They had their children with them. I'm sure they were running and playing and playing games and different things while Jesus was teaching. They can get it through osmosis. You would be surprised. what. Well, you know what they hear when you don't think they're hearing. Right? So it can work in church as well. Our, the teaching part will be shortened. Praise and worship will be shortened. Uh, It'll be geared, everything's going to be geared for the whole family. If you don't have kids, still come because the children need to see you here. It's important that they see their church family here and that you put an importance on it. And then when service is over, we'll go out to the picnic. We'll have all kinds of games and all kinds of crafts for the kids and, and adults, you know, a little friendly or somewhat Christian cornhole competition. There's always a little basketball going on that's a little testy sometimes. You know, I I think somebody mowed over my grandson last year. I can't remember who that was. I'm looking. Nobody's going to claim it. He's tough. He took it. He took it like a man. He got there and played with the the grown-ups and had a great time. So Bring your kids out. It's a great time for you to get to know people in the church. And if you're the type of person that doesn't want to get to know people in the church, well, we don't do anything, everything for ourselves. Sometimes we do what's good for other people. So come and enjoy it. Uh, Last week we talked about, we did a faith check. If you'll remember, this is just going to be part two of that. Last week we dealt with how do I know if I'm in faith? 
And in doing so, we read James chapter 1 kind of impromptu last week. Let's go back there. I'm going to be reading it out of the English Standard Version. James 1. I'm going to start in verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now that right there you have to stretch your mind around, right? But listen to why he says you can count it joy when things come against you. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Faith is really noticeable when you need faith. You know, if I go to the grocery store and I have uh, plenty of money in my account and I just put what I need in my buggy and I go up and pay for it, I, I, I really don't need faith for that. My faith has already produced that in my life. But if I don't know how I'm going to feed my kids for the next week, that testing of my faith. Now, God, God's not testing our faith. He knows our faith. He's the one that gave us the faith. But But situations put our faith to the test. And when you don't know what you're going to feed your kids for the next week, you need your faith to be steadfast. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. Let it do its work. Don't pull faith off the job. Keep it working. So that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. That's what we read last week. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and he's unstable in all of his ways. Now we, we read that last week and when I read that about doubt, I thought, oh, we got to know what to do with doubt. Because thoughts of doubt can cross your mind. I think we talked about this a little bit. Thoughts of doubt are going to cross your mind. Anytime you set your faith on something and you're believing God for something that you found in his word, he's provided for you through Jesus Christ, a, a thought of doubt's going to come. Like, I don't see it, I don't feel it, it doesn't look like it's happening, time's running out. I mean, the, the, the thought pressure is building in your mind. When those thoughts of doubt come, if you take them, you become like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by every circumstance. If it looks good, you're believing. If it doesn't look good, you're not believing. If it looks good, you're believing. If it doesn't look good, you're not believing. And you're just back and forth. And he says, hey, a double-minded man who is that way with faith and doubt, faith and doubt, He's double-minded, and, and you can't expect to receive because faith is the means by which we receive. It's, how, it's, it's the way God set it up. If you believe me, you can have it. His word's just real plain. People don't like it, but it's what it is. And the reason they don't like it is because they thought they believed and they didn't receive, so they're mad. We, we can't change the word of God by our circumstance. It is eternal, and he's true. So, obviously, we don't need to doubt. But what do we do with doubt? How do we deal with doubt? 
And what really kept coming to me this morning was that doubt often comes in the form of care or pressure. And when he talks about care in the scripture, which we're going to turn to uh, Philippians 4, if you want to be turning there, we're going to spend quite a bit of time there. It's the pressure of the situation that keeps coming back. Like you go to God and you pray, and you cast that care, and you're like, okay, I've prayed, I believe in God for this. And then the pressure of that situation keeps coming back. And when it keeps coming back, it, it wants to take control of your thought life. <clears throat> it wants to take control of your emotions, and it starts affecting your sleep. It starts affecting your eating habits. Pressure, pressure is hard on the body. It's, it's very tiring, and it's emotionally draining. Ephesians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, I'm just amazed at the amount of medication commercials on television that deal with anxiety. So that tells me that this is a big issue that we need to address from the Word of God. And, and I feel for those who deal with anxiety because it's this pressure cooker in the mind. And just it can make you explosive and it, it starts controlling you when that anxiety hits. You know, I've dealt with it to a degree, but I was taught how to deal with it, you know, all my life. So that, that's really helped me because we've been in somewhat of a pressure cooker sometimes with situations. So when he says, do not be anxious about anything, I want us to think about that just a minute. Sometimes... I'm tempted to be anxious over the most stupid things. The line at Walmart. You can just feel, you, you know what I'm talking about? Does anybody, you can just feel this like I'm in a hurry. Well, then maybe I should have started out earlier so I wouldn't be worried about the time and how traffic, oh, anxiety. And then it starts affecting your mood. Thank you, Sharon. Always depend on Sharon. So when he says don't be anxious about anything, I want us to start working on something. The little things, let's start right there. Let's start right there. The anxiety of little things, and just, just take a step back and go, you know what, Susan, that's stupid. Y'all don't talk to yourselves like that. I, you know what? That's really dumb. A football game? Razorbacks? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anxiety? I'm, I, I'm over at mom's. I'm scaring the poor dog. I mean, mom keeps apologizing to Andre. Andre, I'm so sorry. Because I, you know, the, the last few minutes of that game... Sometimes you just have to go, what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, literally, I think my blood pressure changed. I was breaking out in a sweat. When they were trying to get that first down, I was leaning. I was, I was trying to push in for them. I was like, what are you doing? What are you putting your body through? Just an example. It's fresh on my mind. Don't be anxious about 
anything. Take a step back. Count to ten. Do some deep breathing. Sing your ABCs. I don't care. Do something to get your mind calmed down. Don't be anxious about anything. That word anxious, King James Version uses the word careful. (laughs) Careful. If you're anxious, you are full of the care of it. You're full of the care of it. You're troubled and you're disturbed. That's what the word means. Don't be troubled. Don't be disturbed. Don't be careful. Don't be anxious. But what a glorious word. He gives us an alternative. He gives us a choice. I just can't help it. Yes, I can. Susan, yes, yes you can. That word but is in there. Don't be anxious about anything but. He's fixing to tell us what to do. Are you ready? In everything. That means I don't just wait until the big things of life. But right now, with this situation that you're dealing with, no matter how small it is, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, we're going we're gonna to decipher that. But I had to finish the sentence. In everything, by, how are we going to do it? That's it, right here. He's fixing to tell us how to do it. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know what? Your little stuff, it's okay to go to God with it. You're not overloading his, his plate. It's like, well, this is not a big deal. If it has your thoughts, he doesn't. If it has your attention, he doesn't. If it has your emotions, your family doesn't. If it's controlling you, he's not. So if it's a football game, if it's Walmart, if it's traffic, in everything, when you feel it coming, take it to the Lord. Talk out loud to him. You know why? You need to hear it. You need to hear it. In everything by prayer. This word prayer, it's a beautiful word. It's made up of two words. But I love the one, pros, P-R-O-S, the Greek word pros. Most of you know what that means if you've studied worship. It means a face-to-face. This is how you're going to beat anxiety. You're going to have a face-to-face with God. (laughs) That's what he calls prayer. Face-to-face, it's a face, another word means exchange. It's a face-to-face exchange with God. It's not just you griping and telling God what's happening. It's you going to God and then listening to God. It's you taking this to God and then you not taking that back, but you taking peace back. It's an exchange It's not a giving and taking back of what you just took to him. It's an exchange. You're exchanging it for something. It means through close contact, you communicating your need and him communicating the answer. 
It's an exchange. That's prayer. In everything by prayer. That's what we're going to do when we feel the anxiety coming on. We're going to talk to God. You don't have to be fancy in talking to God. I am respectful in talking to God. I didn't, well, not very many times that, that I got away with it. I didn't go to my dad disrespectfully. So I don't go to God disrespectfully. My parents taught me to respect authority. So I go to God respectfully, but at the same time, he is Abba Father, which means daddy, not some unapproachable father that you're fearing what he's going to do and you're ashamed for even asking him for help. Not that kind of father. If you had that kind of father or a distant father, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about Father God that we cannot judge any earthly father next to. He's the ultimate. And he says we can go to him in prayer, face-to-face communicate with him, have this exchange with him, and I approach him as father, but I talk to him. (laughs) I don't use these and thous. I don't talk in King James English when I'm talking to him. He hears me 24-7, so it's not like it's any surprise to him if I use the word ain't. (laughs) You know, I talk to him like he's in the room if I believe he's in the room. So in my car, wherever. He says, with prayer and supplication. Now, that's not a word we use very often, right? I don't supplicate. I don't know. I, I, I still, like every time I have to look it up. It's with earnest appeal. This is the same word that's used in the book of James, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, when he talks about the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It gets a lot done. The effectual, fervent prayer. This supplication is an earnest appeal for God's help in an area. It's passionate. It's heartfelt. It's a sincere request that we go to God. So it's not just communication. There's a request involved here that we need his help on. So with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You know what Thanksgiving is? I got this from Rick Renner, I believe is who said this. It's grateful language. So if I'm going to God and the language is not grateful, I need to back her up. I need to back it up. You know, we talked last week about faith has a sound. Often that sound is praise. Because when we believe, we can praise. When we believe, we can be thankful. When we've really exchanged with God, taken our anxiety and our doubts to Him and received what, he's had, what He has for us, there should be a sound of thankfulness. It's, it's grateful language. Faith uses grateful language. Fear uses ungrateful language. It's God, can you not see what's going on? God, can you not know how bad they're hurting? God, you... that's, that's not faith. But Father, I thank you that everything they have need of. 
was provided through Jesus Christ. I mean, there's, there's just a language difference. Grateful language. So we go with him with prayer and supplication, this earnest request with thanksgiving. That is the attitude that I go to God with. How many times have we gone to God with the wrong attitude? How many times did I go to my parents with the wrong attitude? Which one do you think got further along? A grateful attitude shows our heart. So with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let your request, I like the Amplified says, let your definite request be made known or declared to God. You know what hit me when I read that? Sometimes we go to God and we don't even know what we want. There's no request. There's kind of a shotgun shot up there. God, do something with this. We need to go to his word, find out what's promised, and make a definite request. I thought about myself. I need a new car. I need a new car. I've known I've needed a new car. But you know what the problem is? I have no idea what I want. No idea what I want. I know I need it big enough for long-legged grandbabies. That's all I know. I can't have a small third row. It's got to have some room back there for some long-legged babies. But other than that, I, please, all car dealers, hold off till after the service <laughs> before approaching Billy. I don't think Billy's here today to harass me. But do you know what you even want? So I keep telling Rusty, I've got to decide what I want. I can't even talk to God about it until I decide what I want. With thanksgiving, let your request, your definite request, be made known or declared to God. If we don't go to God and ask, and I know this bothers people because they're like, well, if God knows my need... Why do I have to ask? Because God doesn't just come down here and zap people with stuff. He can't. If it was legal, because man bowed his knee to Satan. Satan is the little G, God of this world. The scripture says Satan's the little G, God of this world. God has to have an invitation to divinely intervene in your situation. That's why we ask. If he didn't have to have that request from us, do you think anywhere in this world there would be a hungry child? Do you think anywhere in this world people would be doing without in their, in their health, in their finances? No. Faith is what he gave us as the means to obtain everything that he provided. It's the way to the Garden of Eden, if you will. To the life he meant for us to have. Faith is that way. And if we don't ask, he can't intervene. He can't just... Man, if he could, we would have Garden of Eden. Everything's right here. You just take it. But it didn't work out that way. And we'll talk to Adam and Eve about that when we get there. I have a few things I'd like to know. But they'd probably tell me to look at my own life and I could probably figure it out. Been a few times I've eaten of that wrong fruit myself. Hebrews 4.16, you can save your place in, 
in uh, Philippians, but Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come boldly. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. To the throne of what? It didn't say to the throne of judgment. And yes, God has the right to judge and he will someday. But right now, we're under the dispensation of grace. And he says, you get to come boldly. How many, how many Christians actually think that they can approach the throne of God boldly? Very few. Very, because, but you're coming to God in Christ Jesus. Does that help your mind? You've accepted Christ. You have his covering. You have on his robe of righteousness. And so your sins have been forgiven. And you can approach the throne of God just like Adam and Eve walked with him in the cool of the day. You have that right. And it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. His willingness is there, is our approach there. His willingness is there. And have you invited God into the situation? Have you been clear? Do you even know what you desire? Because God needs you to set your will to state your will. That gives him a right. That gives him a right to intervene in your situation. We saw this whole thing with, with God and Satan over Job. You know, just Satan likes to test that right. God, what right do you have to put a hedge around Wes and Stacy? Well, you, you stating and declaring your will to God and asking God for his divine intervention seals that deal. He's a, he's a legal God. He won't cross his own law. James 2, I'm sorry, James 4, 2 says, You have not because you ask not. What? You have not because you ask not. How simple is that? And when we do ask and we approach the throne of God with confidence, not confidence because we're perfect, but confidence because he told us to do it. He told us, this is how I want you to approach me. I am your father. I can't, I can't even imagine because I had a good, no, I had the best dad. Right? Can I get an amen? Chelsea's up there somewhere. We had the best pop. And we didn't think twice about coming to him. The man had sheds, barns, buildings full of stuff. And mom still, no, David's cleaned it out some. Some. If you needed it, pop had it. You know what? I didn't, I didn't sit at my house and go without. We needed a big magnet one time. I mean, a big magnet. We'd built a house, construction nails and stuff were everywhere. And Dad had this big magnet on a roller. We just went down and got it. Dad, we're going to borrow that big magnet. Okay. We didn't hesitate and sit there and go without and wish that we had a magnet. Wish that we need, you know, a certain kind of saw or wish that we... No. You holler at Dad because he's got it and he's willing to provide it. And you're thankful. You're thankful. But we didn't go without. 
He wants us to come boldly to the throne of grace so that we can obtain what we need when we need it. That's it. You have not because you ask not. Man, that just rang and rang and rang in me. And that will bring you so much peace. When you talk to God and you have this exchange with Him, that calms that brain down that you have sitting up here that's in a whirlwind. When you stop, you take it to God, it stops that whirlwind. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That swirl of thoughts that come faster than you can process them. In those moments, it just stops it. And Philippians 4, turn back there, I hope you held your place. Verse 7 says that. He says, when you do what I've talked about, when you come to me with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, and you make your request made known to me, the peace of God. The peace of God. The peace of God. Not the peace from circumstances. Because the circumstances may not look any different yet. We don't want to be that wave, remember, going back and forth due to circumstances. But the peace of God. You gave him your anxiety and he gave you his peace. His peace. You gave him your care, he gave you his peace. You declared what you needed and he gave you the answer. And that peace is there. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. That's, that is one of the most beautiful phrases. This peace that comes surpasses your mind. It surpasses, it's superior to your thoughts. It absorbs that anxiety, just like a sponge. You just, you've got all this anxiety, you take this stuff to God, and he, His peace just absorbs all that anxiety and makes that anxiety leave. Try it. Try it. Start going to Him in all things that bring anxiety to you and let His Word do its work. And then he says, this peace of God that surpasses all understanding, it will begin to guard your heart and your mind. It literally means like a, like a soldier. It sets a soldier at your... You know what that means, don't you, Bob? When you set a, a soldier at a doorway to protect what's coming in and what's going out. That's what His Word, that's what His peace will do. It'll set a guard. And then that guard, when, when anxiety tries to come or a thought tries to come, that guard will say, mm-mm, nope, nope. It will do that for you. It'll recognize the enemy. A guard recognizes the enemy. I need that because thoughts can be very subtle and we can let them in just totally unaware of their intent. But Satan has an intent with that little thought. He's wanting to take it somewhere. He's wanting to take you somewhere with that thought. But God's peace will set a guard at your heart and it will recognize the enemy when it is the enemy and it will bring your attention to it and you can stop it. That's powerful. 
It will guard your hearts and your minds. Your minds, your will, your emotions, your thoughts. In Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, this is what you think on. This is the filter for your thoughts. Anybody remember well water? We have a few in the congregation that remember well water. What was well water without a filter? You got all the junk. You got, but you put that filter out there, charcoal or whatever it was, and, and let's compare our thoughts to that. It has to make it through this filter. Is it pure? Is it of good report? You know, is it truth? And you can't just take one of these things and say, well, it's true. Oh, that's true. That, that's not the filter. This whole thing's the filter. And the thoughts that we get to keep and dwell on have to make it through this filter. And he says, if you think on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So what I choose to think on affects my peace. And you know who has control of that? Me. Well, I can't help but, yes, yes, we can. You choose what to think on. We can think on things that line up with this filter, or we can think and we can, we can swirl the whirlwind. We can grow that tornado so quickly, and before we know it, we're, we've lost control. We lost control of our thoughts. We've lost control of our emotions. We've lost control of our words. We've lost control of our actions. Who wants to be out of control? No. So we've got to go back and say, hey, I'm feeling this anxiety because this is what I've been thinking on. And when we can recognize that, then we can do something about it. Bring it back, sister. I have to do it. I have to do it every day. Just how quickly our thoughts can head in the wrong direction. Now, I think I skipped verse 9. After he says, think on these things. Then the apostle says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And I think that's a very important phrase. I don't want to miss it. Practice. Practice these things. And so I, I looked it up in the Greek. And it means perform repeatedly. This is going to take practice. And we're going to have to perform this repeatedly. But what I want to start doing is working on it, those little anxiety moments. That little change in blood pressure. That little whirlwind. That little thing that's trying to come up and go out my mouth. If I will start on these little things and start taking, taking control of them, it's really going to help. Now, Quickly, I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're, obviously, we're not going to cover all the scriptures on anxiety today, but this is probably one of the most familiar ones. Don't turn there, but in Luke 4, I was actually looking back at it during worship. 
when Jesus was in the wilderness and, and Satan kept coming with these thoughts. If you are the Son of God, perform. All these thoughts, every single one of them had a purpose to take him away from God's divine plan for his life. And every single time, Jesus did exactly what we have to do. He quoted the word of God to him. He didn't go rogue. He said, no, it's written. No, it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he just kept coming back, coming back, coming back with what God said. And that's how he controlled his thoughts. Because these were thoughts. If Jesus had to do it, Susan might have to. True? 1 Peter 5, 7. Amplified. Casting the whole of your care... How much of your care? Yeah. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all. Oh, yes, this is a tough one. Once and for all, cast them all on him, for he cares for you affectionately, And he cares about you watchfully. Why are we casting our care? Because he cares. Because he cares for you. Because he's watching over you. And I'll never forget mom's example of this. It was so great. Mom's mom's a visual, visual person, probably where I got it from. But when he says cast your care, she brought a fishing pole uh, up here. one. I think it was up here or else it was out there. And she cast that lure to the other side of the room. She cast it. But then she reeled it back in. And she cast it. And she reeled it back in. And she was making a point. You know, we, we, we say, God, here you go. I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I'm put... And then before you know it, we're reeling it back in. <laughs> we're reeling that baby back in. And so there in a minute, she just chunked the whole rod and reel. That is a beautiful example of what we're supposed to do. Because as long as that line's still attached to that lure, we're still wanting to keep control. Wanting to keep control. We can reel this back in and we can talk bad about it when we're, when we're next to the person at work and we get a moment to chat. We get to kind of reel it back in and start giving it our thoughts again. And then we go home and we're like, oh, nope, cast that care. And then here we go again. Cast the whole reel where you, there, I'm not picking that thing back up again. I don't need control of this. I need it handled. And I don't know who that's for today other than me. But I don't need control of this. I need it handled. And I, I need it handled by God. And if there's something I need to do on the earth end, he'll tell me what to do. 
Because usually what I pick to do in moments of anxiety, it's wrong. Because it's fear-based and not faith-based. If, if I need to do something, God, you show me what to do. Amen? And, and he'll do it. He wants to because he watches over you carefully. Amen? Y'all can stand. If you've dealt with anxiety uh, this week or, or consistently, take these scriptures, um, roll them over in your mind, meditate on them. <coughs> Excuse me. And let's just not finish out life constantly in a fizz. It's hard on your body. It's hard on your relationships. And it doesn't ever end the way you want it to. We got a God in heaven that knows the big plan and he knows the steps we need to take. And we can trust him with that. So when we when we finish praying, I'm going to dismiss you here in just a minute, but when we finish praying, if if you've got something that you need agreement with, you need somebody to pray over you, the team will be up here, just walk up to one of them and say, "I need you to pray with me with this." And and that is a casting. That's the rod and reel casting. God, I'm praying about it. If I need to do something, you'll tell me what to do, but otherwise I'm not reeling this thing back in. Okay? Will you do that for me? If you need help, get it. That's what we're here for. If there's anybody here that hasn't accepted Jesus as Lord, man, you, you can't help but be full of anxiety if you're not right with God. There's one way to be right with God, and it, it sounds too good to be true. It, it sounds too simple, but it's making Jesus Lord. Lord's a big word. It doesn't just mean that you believe he's the son of God. It means you're willing to submit, you're willing to bend the knee. You're willing to say, I give my life to you. You show me what to do. You give me purpose. You give me life. I'll listen to you. I'll do what your word says. And I know that sounds like a big pill to swallow all at once, but he walks with us through it. He teaches us. He disciples us just like he did the disciples in the New Testament. And so you don't have to be um, perfect tomorrow you just start today walking with him if you need to do that if you would raise your hand the whole congregation will pray and you don't have to be up up front I am going to tell you how to do it because I feel like there's somebody in the room that needs to so if you need to do that you can raise your hand now or you can come up to one of these but the scripture's pretty simple it says those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and it means call upon the name of the Lord, evoking him as Lord. Saying, Jesus, be my Lord. The book of Romans tells us if we believe that God sent his son to die for us and that he, he raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. That we needed to confess him before men. That's why you can do it at home, but you need to tell somebody if you do. So that's the first step. And that'll bring a whole lot of peace to that mind. You'll never have peace in the mind without it. It just won't happen. So let's get it done. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence during praise and worship. We thank you for pursuing our hearts. We thank you for caring about our minds. We thank you for providing peace. I mean, my goodness, you called Jesus the Prince of Peace. We're in his kingdom, therefore peace is available to the people. And Father, we long to draw from that, for the anxieties to be soothed, for us to see that that is not who we are.
That is an, an attack on our lives and our purposes. And we're just not going to put up with it anymore. We know we can come to you and we know you'll help us. And Holy Spirit, please help us to do that. Nudge us when we start moving into that realm of anxiety. Bring it to our attention that we can bring it to you and that there can be an exchange, an exchange that takes place in just a matter of moments. That you have something better to give us than what's going on in our minds. We call, we call that anxiety to peace in Jesus' name. And we thank you. We give you glory for it. Amen.